Hi, I'm Mark O'Connell, and you're listening to Far-Fetched, a podcast about my largely unpaid but mostly enjoyable career as a writer. On this episode, I'm going to do something I haven't done before, and I'm kind of excited about it. I think I've mentioned in earlier episodes how, in addition to all the fleshed-out Star Trek pitches that I've been reading over previous episodes, I also have several pages of one-liners, log lines, pitch lines, story ideas that never really got beyond the idea stage for one reason or another, Um, sometimes good reasons, sometimes maybe not so good reasons, but... Today, I'm just going to do sort of a rapid fire. I'm going to go through several pages of one-liners, log lines, uh, of stories that at one point at least, I thought I would pitch to Star Trek The Next Generation. In some cases, I'm pretty sure I pitched them. In some cases, I'm not sure I did. (laughs) It's been long enough now. Memories are foggy. My records are incomplete. But I'm just happy I have as much recorded as I have. So let's just start out with the first page. Oh, I should add, some of these, when I pitched them to the producers, in some cases, I was actually uh, with it enough to write down a little bit about what the producer said about the pitch, the reason why they were rejecting it. And I would write something down just so I would remember what the problem was so I wouldn't repeat that problem in a subsequent pitch. Usually, though, it's only one or two words that I wrote down to get the producer's reaction. Because, really, when you're, when you're pitching stories to a producer at a big TV show, and they're telling you why they don't want to buy your story, your mind isn't exactly clear. Your mind isn't exactly operating at, at uh, full capacity. You're kind of grappling with the disappointment. Uh, and so my notes, uh, my notes referring to what the producers said are, are, when they're there at all, they're, they're pretty brief. So you'll, you'll see that as we go into this. Unfortunately, I, don't, I also do not have any record of uh, when I pitched these, uh, in what sequence, which came first, which came last. There are some stories here I know that uh, lived on. I, some, some story ideas that I would try to repurpose and use for other types of scripts. It's kind of fun to look back on that and, and realize how many times I tried to retell the same story in a, different, in a different context. So here we go. Here is the first page. These are my rejected Star Trek The Next Generation pitches. Story number one. A Klingon-like warrior challenges Worf's beliefs when he enlists the Enterprise aid. Sorry, I'll try that again. A Klingon-like warrior challenges Worf's beliefs when he enlists the Enterprise's aid on an errand of mercy. So that's all there is to a pitch line, at least when I have them. When I, when I have an idea for a story, this is how I write it down. This is how I express it. As a pitch line in the hopes that someplace, somewhere down the line, I will be fleshing this story out. I'll be working it into a five-act story and possibly something that can be turned into a, you know, 45-page script for an actual episode. Um, So Klingon-like warrior challenges Worf's beliefs. I don't really know how that would have worked. I'm sure I had an idea in mind at the time, or maybe I didn't. That's the thing about these pitches. Sometimes they're just half-formed ideas. This one seems a little half-formed. I'll move on to the next one. 
Data meets his match in an alien with an immense right brain intellect that's on a par with his own left brain intellect. This idea I really, really liked, and I know this because when I go through my old files, it keeps on popping up. I keep coming across this same story and thinking, yeah, that would have been really cool. I have no idea how the drama would have unfolded. There's really no storyline here. Again, it's just, it's just an idea. Not even a full idea, just a partial idea. But something about it always really appealed to me. I think it would have made a great, great vehicle for, for Data. Next story. This is another favorite of mine. Here we go. A force of evil is set loose in the distant past and is traveling through time, through history, to get at someone in the present. You can probably see the problem with this story immediately. It doesn't involve a single character from Star Trek The Next Generation. It's an idea, and it's another one of these ideas that really appealed to me because I know it went through many, many different permutations and, and, and rewrites trying to get the story to work properly. And obviously it's a story that doesn't have to be a Star Trek The Next Generation story. It could be repurposed and used in many ways, which I think I tried to do at some point. Anyway, cool idea. I just had this idea of, of somebody looking at a history book and a moment in history that's been memorialized in this book just suddenly vanishes from the page of the book because something is moving through time and changing history. And so this person would eventually figure out that the changes that were occurring in written history were actually following in chronological order, indicating that whatever this thing was, it was coming towards the present and who knew what it was going to do once it got here. Or once it got to the 24th century. Sorry. Anyway, that's one I like a lot. Here's another one I like. The crew lives one day that does not exist for the rest of the universe. What would the storyline be? I have no idea. Who would the main character in the story be? I have no idea. What would the mechanism be for how the crew would live one day that does not exist for the rest of the universe? I have no idea. And I also have no idea how the Enterprise crew would ever figure this out. But again, it's kind of a cool idea. I'm uh, back, boy, back in the day, this is in the mid 90s, I was really kind of an, a, an idea generator. Here's another one The Enterprise discovers an artifact that seems to have been designed for some superior race to meddle in the Federation's relations with the fill in the blanks, Romulans, Kardashians, Borg. And then the fill in the blanks, Romulans, Kardashians, Borg find out about it too really have no idea how that would work. This, this, this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now that I'm rereading it, there may be the kernel of a good idea in there, but I honestly have no idea what it is. Okay, moving on to one more story. One of the crew has shown three or more possible wonderful futures for him or herself and must choose the right one. That could be a fun idea for just about any of the cast, any of the characters in Next Generation, I think. Uh, I can definitely see where I don't I don't remember having had this idea, but I can definitely see why it would have appealed to me at the time. I think it's got got some potential for having some fun. You know, that's the other thing. As a writer, I'm not only looking to pitch stories that are interesting or exciting. I also wanted to, them to be fun. There had to be a fun factor involved. Like, wouldn't it be fun to put such and such a character in this situation? That's the way I'm always looking at things. Okay, on this first page, there is just one pitch line left and it is the most incomprehensible thing here goes 
A troop of entertainers comes aboard the Enterprise. And that was written in blue ink, and then in red ink after it, there is a question mark. So clearly at the time I wrote this, I had some, or shortly after I wrote this and couldn't find my blue pen anymore, I had some thoughts. I had some doubts about whether this would work. For one thing, they already did that in the original series, The Conscience of the King, uh, in which a troop of actors come aboard the Enterprise. So it's not exactly a new idea. Also, the big thing here is there's no hook for any of the characters. There's nothing that would involve any of the characters at all, at least as far as what I wrote down here. So that's a little disappointing. Sometimes pitch lines remain pitch lines, and sometimes that's probably for the best. And I think this is one of those times. So that's the first page. The second page I have, these pitch lines are a little more involved. So there are fewer of them on the page, but I think some of these are kind of interesting. First story idea. Troy is murdered, and her crewmates use an alien device to enter her last living thoughts in an attempt to solve the crime and save her life. That's an intriguing idea, and afterwards I have a parenthetical note that says, Is Troy's empathetic sense omnidirectional? This microphone I'm using to record my podcast is not omnidirectional. It is set up so that it is going to capture primarily my voice and not a whole lot else. Troy's empathetic powers... At the time, I, I like what I was thinking at the time when I wrote this. Troy's empathetic powers, are they omnidirectional? Can she feel things from everyone around her? Or is it only when she focuses on, on one person or one thing? I think that's an intriguing idea. There could have been a really cool story here. I'm sorry nothing happened with it now that I read it again. I'm very, very disappointed. Okay, story number two from page number two. The ship is overrun by creatures from ancient mythology and, in parentheses, and the crew might revert to barbarism, end parentheses, as an alien that's been sent to Earth countless times in the distant past searches for the proper language with which to communicate with Picard. Again, parenthetically, the alien is traveling in the tail of a comet. That's kind of a neat idea, but it's also a little bit something that they've already done. Uh, for instance, Star Trek III, um the whales coming back to earth trying to communicate with humans who have no idea that they're that they're actually in a conversation so that one eh, I, I must have been excited about this idea at some point when i was coming up with it but right now it's not really grabbing me here's one here's an idea this is the shortest pitch line on this particular collection but it's also kind of fun i think this would have been a fun story to do this would be a seven brides for seven brothers comedy takeoff now that I reread it, I have no idea how I would have pulled that off. I have no idea how it would have worked. I learned the hard way with my script for Meridian. Uh, you can't really you can't really pair off cast members and have them getting ready to get married. So I'm not really sure how this Seven Brides for Seven Brothers comedy takeoff works. At this point, I don't even remember the storyline for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, honestly. So I think we can just skip that one for now. Next story. A war-torn planet lures the Enterprise into being a scarecrow that will scare all warring factions into joining forces against the outside threat. But the ploy works too well and places the Enterprise in grave danger. 
I think this is a cool idea. The idea of a scarecrow to bring about peace between two warring parties, that's not a new idea. It was actually the basis of a fantastic Outer Limits episode called The Architects of Fear. But it keeps coming back, I think, because it's a really, really strong idea. I like this story idea a lot. Again, there's no, there's no particular character in the cast that's tied into this story, which if I was going to develop this story, that would obviously be my first move. Uh, but yeah, this, one, this one's kind of cool. Next story. A self-proclaimed god is engineering a race of mortals for its own amusement and wants an Enterprise Away team to introduce the concepts of good and especially evil. That reads well, but I, when I look at it now, I realize this sounds an awful lot like some other Star Trek stories that have, that have been done. Uh, going all the way back again to the, the original series, I think this is kind of a well-worn idea. Not surprised I didn't go any further with it. No regrets there. Here's one. The crew loses its will to live, all except Data, who must try to cure them of a condition he simply can't understand. Wow. Um, I hadn't realized this was on this list. This is clearly a very early pitch sheet because that is the actual storyline that I used in my Star Trek The Next Generation spec script, the one that got me in the door in the first place to pitch. It was a script called Between Two Darknesses, and early in this podcast, I did a dramatic reading of that script. And still, I'm very pleased with the script. I think it was a really cool idea. It was, an, it was a, a very, I thought, a very rich way of getting into Data's psyche. How can he save people who are suicidal when he cannot understand how someone could lose the will to live? It's, I, think it's, I still think it's a really strong story, and I'm, I'm still very proud of that script. Okay, one more story at the bottom of this page. Crusher discovers that all of her memory appears to be artificial, and she realizes she may not be who she thinks she is. Again, no idea where I was going with that story, and even though I pitched it or wrote it as a Crusher pitch, that doesn't necessarily mean that it could have only been a Crusher story. Obviously, this, this storyline seems pretty interchangeable. It could have been any one of the seven main characters, I think. And it still, still would be basically the same idea. It's a cool idea. Don't know why I didn't move forward with it. That's the end of page two. Now on to page three. And this is one where I have the, the minimal notes from the producer when I pitched these. So here goes. Story number one. The Starship Enterprise mysteriously comes to life. And Captain Picard must convince it to give up this life to save the lives of the crew. That, I think, is a cool idea. It even had a title. I gave all of these stories on this page titles. I called it Vessel. And it was turned down because I wrote down just two words. Pitched before. Somebody beat me to it. Somebody had the idea before I did and pitched it before I did and was obviously uh, turned down because, to my recollection, they never did this story on Next Generation. Second idea. This one is entitled Form Follows Function. Data turns himself into a woman temporarily. Wow. The producer's notes, these, this, is the, this is the most, uh, most detailed note I have here. Well worked out. The story is well worked out. It was a good pitch, but they had something similar. 
in the works, which is something I heard over and over and over again. Oh man, Mark, I'm so sorry. We already have a story just like this in development. And then a lot of times they'd go on to say, but damn, your idea is so much better than the one we're working on. Which, you know, was kind of nice to hear, but also a little disappointing. Last line here, it says, can't do the reactions. And I have no idea. Obviously that's something the producer said to me. I have no idea what it means. And I have no idea who said it to me. I should have kept a record of who I was pitching to. Man, if I only knew back then that I should keep better records. Anyway, so here is story number three. Now, I can tell that these are stories, uh, even if even if I didn't have the producer's notes, I would know that these were stories that I actually did pitch because there are four of them, and four was the limit. So every time I pitched, I had exactly four stories to tell. Here is story number three entitled Pandemic. Crusher finds herself a fugitive on a planet where she has become public enemy number one, apparently for having caused the pandemic or being suspected of having caused the pandemic. That could have made a good thriller and I think it would have put Dr. Crusher in a very, very unexpected role. Very interesting uh, space in which to explore Dr. Crusher's character, I think. That, that's a story I wish had gone forward. But the producer's note is, planet is too hard, (laughs) which means basically creating this whole new society on this planet would have been too complicated and most likely too expensive for the producers to be able to pursue. I don't know why. I mean, they're always introducing new planets, but whatever. Last story on this page, number four of my pitches. Jordy's new romance and a touchy diplomatic mission threatened to disrupt each other. I called that story Starry Eyes. And if you are a Star Trek fan, you can probably pick out immediately what the problem with that story is. Here is the note from the producer. It's missing the science fiction element. Duh. Uh, It's a little embarrassing that I, I didn't that I didn't know that <laughs> or that I didn't notice I didn't know it enough to think that I could um, do that in a story so yeah that that would have been that would have been a boring and problematic story here are a few more and these are these are really really short these are just like lightning round pitches man from future Picard's nephew question mark comes back to try to stop Picard from making an error that lost him his career. Now, I actually did develop that story and I read and I read that treatment in an earlier episode. Here's the rest of this list on this page. Stars wink out. That's all it says. Stars wink out. Next idea. Casper Hauser, body floating in space. I've also done that story and read it uh, earlier in in the podcast. Uh, if you don't know who Casper Hauser is, he is uh, a guy who showed up at a small town Uh, in Europe, I think sometime in the late 1800s. I'm foggy on the details. Uh, A fully grown man who had no idea who he was, where he came from, who raised him, etc. And just was a mystery man for the rest of his life. So, next story idea. One word pitch. Mummy. And it's written with a question mark. Mummy. M-U-M-M-Y. Why not do the mummy in outer space? Sure. Next idea. Worf and his son, imaginary friend slash son wants to be true Klingon. uh, Okay, not sure how to react to that. Doesn't really add up, but I'm sure there's a story idea in there somewhere. 
Next idea, someone kept alive in transporter beam. Of course, they did that on the show with Scotty keeping himself alive in a transporter beam in the episode Relics. So I don't know if I wrote this down before they did that show or after they did that show. If it was after they did the show, then shame on me because that's plagiarism. Another one-line story idea. A world wants to join the Federation. This one I like because I think at the time I was thinking we've never actually seen the whole process of what it takes for a new world to join the United Federation of Planets. There's got to be some drama. There's got to be some deep human drama, deep political drama that you could, you could really have fun exploring with an idea like that. Obviously, there's no science fiction idea, really, but it would get to the heart of what Star Trek is all about. I think, I think there was some, really something there in that idea. Next, next one-liner. Something kidnaps the saucer section. It's a great visual. No story. I don't know what I would have done with that. This one... Okay, the next one is a little dumb. The Enterprise catches outer space poachers. God knows what I was thinking when I wrote that down. Right now, it strikes me as a really, really pretty, pretty dumb story idea. One more. Two warring beings on board the Enterprise cause the officers to choose sides. Now they've done a, they've done that a little uh, that I recall from the original series. Let that be your last battleground. There's there's something you could do with that story, I think, uh, especially with the 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 reality of things in in the time of Next Generation instead of the original series. But for whatever reason, I did not pursue it. Here's one. Here's one that I think is still kind of cool. This you could have fun with. Two of the characters are forced to share consciousnesses. Depending on which characters you chose to do that, that could be a really, really fun story. And I'm sorry nothing happened with that one either. This last one is kind of... It's right up there with the outer space poachers. This last one-liner is... An animal follows someone home to the Enterprise. I really, really don't know what the hell I was thinking there. Anyway, that's it for my one-line pitches. Those were kind of fun. I'm glad I went over those again. Easy to see in in some cases why the producers did not take an interest in the stories. But in other cases, I'm thinking like, man, there was there were some kind of cool ideas in there that they didn't spark to. At least one of them, we know they already had something like it in development, blah, 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 whatever. But there were a couple in there that could have could have gone places. I'm going to go one step further now. I have several versions here of another story that apparently I saw a lot of promise in because I really worked up a lot of details. So I'm going to give you the one-line pitch, and then I'm going to go through the five-act breakdown that I came up with in addition to the pitch. Here's the pitch line. When Starfleet efficiency experts create a more energetic crew by streamlining the operation of the Enterprise, only Geordi can see that the crew is really being fattened up for the kill by alien energy parasites. That's kind of a cool idea. I like it. I can see why I wanted to flesh it out a little more. And here we go. My next step in the process of taking a pitch line and turning it into a fully fleshed out story. Here's the, here's the act breakdown. Teaser. Picard announces that the Enterprise will be re-engineered to new Starfleet specs. Act 1. 
Jordy, the biggest skeptic, is made a believer. Act 2. Jordy is feeling run down while everyone else is feeling charged up. Act 3. With his visor returned to its original specs, Jordy sees a Belloy vampirizing a crew person. Act 4. Jordy finds that the New Hope colony has been decimated by the Belloy. Act 5. Jordy saves the ship and beams the Belloy down to the New Hope colony. Obviously, there are a few details there. The name of these alien parasites, the Belloy, something about the New Hope colony. Those will be fleshed out in the next episode of Farfetched, because I've got two different versions of the fleshed out story for this episode, which I titled Human Engineering. So next episode, we're going to get a lot more of that story. Now, before I go, there is one thing I want to add. In the last episode, and I've done this one or two times before in the podcast, I've sort of mixed uh, Star Trek stuff with my, my other great love UFO stuff. And I just want to read something here that I just got this press release today, November 18th, 2022. A whole lot of UFO researchers and historians whose work I really respect have announced that they have that they have formed a new sort of universal archive of UFO case reports and investigations. And I'm going to read the press release to you here because I think anyone who's interested in Star Trek might possibly have at least a passing interest in the UFO phenomenon. They're both about exploring strange new worlds, seeking out new life forms, so I'm going to read this press release because I, th I think it's of interest to everyone. Subject, Introduction of the Newly Established National UFO Historical Records Center, a nonprofit organization, 501c3. Who? An assemblage of the leading U.S. UFO slash UAP historians and archivists, led by David Marler, that includes Jan Aldrich, Rod Dyke, Barry Greenwood, Dr. Mark Rodiger, Rob Swiatek, and others. What? the establishment of the largest historical archive dedicated to the preservation and centralization of UFO-slash-UAP information in the United States. For those of you who aren't familiar, UFO is a relatively, I'm sorry, UAP is a relatively new term for the same phenomenon. UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Now back to the press release. Where? Physical archive to be based in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. Why? Our mission is to collect, preserve, and provide historical UFO materials to the general public and interested parties. With the accumulated data, we hope to assist with serious research endeavors and aid in an accurate chronicling of UFO slash UAP history for present and future generations, regardless of belief or non-belief in the subject. Context. In recent years, there have been successive U.S. government disclosures acknowledging the UFO-slash-UAP subject as a genuine phenomenon. Subsequently, multiple U.S. military, intelligence, and scientific agencies have started adopting programs to study the subject, such as NASA and the AIAA. In addition, within the civilian sector, there has been an influx of new researchers into this field of inquiry. Many academics and scientists are included in this group. However, most of these parties do not have access to the vast array of historical materials and datasets in the hands of civilian U.S. UFO-UAP historians and researchers. 
In conjunction with this newfound respectability regarding the UFO-slash-UAP subject is the growing need to create more space for these historic materials. Individual U.S. researchers and historians have amassed large collections of data over the decades. These have been home-based archives scattered throughout the country. The National UFO Historical Records Center has been created to gather and centralize this historical UFO data in the United States into a singular freestanding facility. With the physical holdings residing in the Albuquerque area, these will be made available to those who visit in person, while efforts will be underway to actively digitize these materials for global accessibility. A vast array of UFO files and collections are already destined to be added to the growing inventory during the course of the next one to two years. Currently, the collection consists of materials from over 25 countries, derived from 70-plus U.S. and foreign individuals. Some of the largest U.S. collections serve as the cornerstone for this center. This includes diverse materials from the Center for UFO Studies, CUFOS. We are also interested in anyone wanting to donate historical UFO slash UAP materials to us. Efforts are underway to acquire a building to house this national treasure and make it readily accessible to researchers, academics, and the general public. Funding and donations will be vital to making this vision a reality. Thus, the creation of this nonprofit organization to facilitate achieving that goal. We look forward to working collaboratively with similar freestanding worldwide UFO slash UAP archives and those within the university setting. Together we can preserve the history and perhaps gain insights into the mystery. Contact information, National UFO Historical Records Center, and their website, which I encourage you to check out. The website is www.nufohrc.org. I hope you'll check it out. I looked at their site this morning, and it's very promising. This is a big thing for me because when I was researching my book, The Close Encounters Man, several years ago, these archives were where I focused much of my research activities. And yes, at the time, this is like five or so years ago, Almost all of these archives were just stored in a couple of people's basements all throughout the Chicago area. One in Kalamazoo, Michigan, a couple in Chicago, uh, probably a few more that I didn't know about. But these archives, for me, were like a wonderland. I was able to, I was able to learn so much about the story I was telling, about the people I was talking about in the story. I was able to learn so much about them and their work. So much of it made my book a better a better story because of the archival materials that I was able to gain access to. So anything that makes these archives, number one, protected, and number two, accessible, is a really, really great thing, I think. So best wishes to this group. I'm hoping I can take part in some way. And I absolutely hope that I will have opportunities to visit the facility in New Mexico once it's all uh, ready to go for public consumption. And now, listeners, I owe you an apology. I haven't been very consistent with the podcast, and I'm afraid I've gotten a little sloppy. Today's episode is very sloppy. For one thing, I referred to the Cardassians as the Kardashians, and I think I did it twice. 
Uh, I do know the difference between a Cardassian and a Kardashian, so I apologize for that. Also, a real serious technical boo-boo. My podcasting bay is in the basement, and it's about six feet away from the furnace. I am normally very careful about making sure the furnace is turned off before I start recording. Today, I neglected to do that. And when the furnace kicked in while I was in the middle of recording, I honestly did not even notice because I was so focused on the podcast itself. So if it makes it difficult to listen to, I know there's at least one long, long section of this podcast where the furnace was on and you can hear it loud and clear. So I sincerely apologize and I will strive to do better in the future. This has been Mark O'Connell. Thanks for listening. Come back again next time for Far Fetched. 